Retro Hangover is supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank our 16-bit tier subscribers, Lyle McCarns and Ashton Ruby. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Thank you. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 60 of Retro Hangover. Retro and Classic Gamers, welcome to the podcast where we verily visit vicarious visions of virulent, vapid, viral visages. This is episode 60 of the Retro Hangover podcast. I'm your co-host, Chris Copleen, joined by Nintendo's LP Tiger, special guest Brianna, and as always, your host, Shane Corona Extra Familiar Koski. You know, it's getting like awfully crowded in this recording space now. We got like four people in here. So this is a first. I don't know. We're not being are, are we are we all observing social distancing? Are we I was gonna say, is that why we're, uh, apart, we're extra like, corona there? Extra, extra yeah. familiar. <laughs> I'm a, I'm at least right. vocally six feet away from y'all, so I'm good. <laughs> I'm six feet true. away from you in spirit. Mm. So <laughs> I thought that was better than Wu Tai Flu Koski. I don't <laughs> I saw that oh, and I was no. just like, man, you just 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 put Wu-Tang flu. It just it makes no sense, but it sounds awesome. Actually, I mean they're from New York, so No, I, oh shit, you're right. No, that's perfect. Damn it. All right, we should have done that. Oh, well, missed opportunity. That's fine. Y'all know about that Wu-Tang clue. Wu-Tang clue? 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 Clue. Yes. Clue. Scarlet. A fantastic film. Mm-hmm. S- Scarlet and the uh, with the with the candlestick. Yeah, I bet she did. So um <laughs> so hey. How's everybody doing? Outstanding. Good. Pretty good, except the fact that I had to like look up a lot of words that started with a V because <laughs> of that intro. <laughs> I mean, not for nothing, but you know that it, at least you learn something. Oh yes, on, I learned a lot, especially so. especially speaking with you guys. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Chris is a very big fan of like the intro to V for Vendetta with that introduction there. Uh I haven't seen it in a very long time, but no, I just wanted to get a combination of words that had viral in it because I thought it was apropos. <laughs> ah, ah. Ah. I like it. Plus okay. I don't think we've done a lot of um a lot of our alliterative intros with a V yet, so Yeah. It's a harder word. It is a harder letter there. I want to see one with X next time. Like uh, you rhyme can... something with xylophone. You can go fuck yourself, and then every single time I say fuck, you can X it out. There, you got that all your. That doesn't start with an X. We're already off to a bad. Sorry, start, I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so hey, uh, so as Chris said, we've got some some special guest hosts. We've got our our honorary co-host with us, um, LP Tiger, and returning to the show after a little while is our special guest host Brianna and and my fiance. So. Uh, so uh, how 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 are you doing? Uh, should I go first or you, Tiger? <laughs> I wasn't going to start after the uh, the word uh, fiance. So <laughs> <laughs> I Just mean, you can be, be like, whatever Hello. you want it to be, Tiger. <laughs> 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 
I don't know if I'm if I'm okay with this kind of relationship. Mm. <laughs> Wait, does Lindsay get in on it too? Because if she is, then I'm fine. <laughs> Lindsay's my girlfriend, by the way. Context. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'll start off. I'm doing good. Um, I am a, a teacher. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, and right now it has been a very, very crazy week uh, here in Florida because we just started virtual teaching, um, which has caused us to do some major rearrangements in our house. Uh, Shane can attest to we've had to um, normally him and I share an office space because I'm only really using it on the weekends and mostly just for editing uh, films, uh, which is my side hustle. Uh, and we've had to turn our guest bedroom into my office so that we can have two separate spaces because he goes on to calls and I'm talking to kids all day. And it's been fun figuring out all the systems and everything. But uh, but past being crazy busy, it's uh, it's actually been a really good week. It's gone off pretty good. What about uh, you, Tiger? I've been home all week last week because my Japan trip got canceled. You wonder why? Because, <laughs> well, obvious, obvious why. So I did not go to Japan, as I had previously said on the on the last episode. But uh, I spent most of that time playing Final Fantasy VI, and uh, and I had a I had a great time doing so. Uh, Final Fantasy VI or seven? Uh, six. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, uh, I had finished seven. But okay. uh, anywho, I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing well, and I was I was. Oh no, you're still playing. I kind of, I, I, I previously said that I was doing a lot of events, and then I stopped doing them, and then I just stayed inside. So I've been practicing for this moment, that where uh, <laughs> I can stay inside, <laughs> and I, I not think, do anything. I think you've trained irony. for Corona. Yes. Yeah. Think, yes. Yeah. I think the irony of the whole entire thing is, I think you'd be safer in Japan than in Florida right now. Yeah, it's, it's funny now That's that we're true, we're yeah. growing in uh, cases and such, but. Uh, um, I'm actually glad I didn't go because then they raised the travel alert to level four, uh, like sometime last week, which basically meant I had to leave. Uh, if I was there, I would have to leave immediately or be stuck there, which I guess <laughs> that yeah, wouldn't so have been like, a bad idea either. I said uh, like 50,000 Americans right now that are stuck abroad or something like that. Uh, yeah. So it's such a case, horrible situation. Darn. Yeah. Yeah. In any case, uh, I took the week off last week. I spent a lot of time with video games, and uh, I'm happy to be back. Very cool. Fantastic. S speaking of video games, that's actually, I'll say for me, what I've been playing lately is in gearing for this episode, I've been trying to use our time uh, away well. I've been playing a lot of uh, Majora's Mask, um, as well as Final Fantasy VII. And I have been watching her play FF7 because I do not want to play it. And we will get into why, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I want to play the, the remake demo. I still haven't done that yet. I have it downloaded, but I haven't actually played it. So, you know. I, I, I will take blame for that. I told him that he can't play that until I'm done because I want to play it first. So that's on me. Wow, nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's great. I played it. I love it. So I'll, I, I guess I will go next. Uh, yeah, introduce yourself, yeah. Chris. Hi, I, good at that. Hi, I'm Chris. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you like long walks on the beach, pina coladas? Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> It'd be really nice right now if I could go to a beach. But Nah, man, you got to go away from all those COVID spring breakers. <laughs> yeah, they don't They don't give a fuck. Just ask him. Nah, if he gets it, he gets it, man. Yeah, if, That's right. If he dies, he dies. But uh, there's, but there's no doorknobs, so it's fine. Yeah, well, can't lick Beaches it. Beaches don't have doorknobs. So I guess uh, this this week, 
uh, on and off working. We're working one day on, one day off, or not off, but teleworking because uh, I'm a so basically off. Okay, yeah, essentially because I'm an essential <laughs> personnel, so I can't fully telework because I'm mm. so essential. Not really, but they tell me that, so I'll just be happy with it. But in the meantime, I'm actually doing that too. I started yeah. today, going back and forth, just like you just said. Yeah. Wait. So if you guys are essential personnel, did you get like some sort of pass or something to get past like? If you get pulled over by the cops, like or a blockade or something, that would make sense, Shane. Okay, so no, I, I was just asking because we we went to T-Mobile store recently, and one of the dudes working there said that they gave them all like passes to get past the police because mm-hmm. they need to go to work. There's they're actually is- supposed to do that. Or we had a message come out today that says we are supposed like military members and first responders and all these people are supposed to have that. Well, that's like the weirdest thing to me. Because I'm like, what do you mean? Is there like going to be a blockade saying like? So that if somebody is on the road and they're like driving to the grocery store or to the hospital, they're going to be like, nope, you ain't got a pass. Turn around. Go home. I mean, basically, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it. It's just in case they have to enforce curfews. Ah. Yeah. Okay. well, Uh, we should just we should just pull a Gotham and just blow up all the bridges into Jacksonville. (laughs) I mean, those bridges aren't into Jacksonville. They just connect the two different sides. I stand by my point. But in terms of games, I beat River City Girls, and it's a very, very fun beat-em-up game. I had a lot of fun nice. with it. And uh, if you like way forward games and you like Double Dragon or, you know, Scott Pilgrim, especially Scott Pilgrim versus the World, if you still have the means to play that game, you will yeah, definitely like... If you have it installed. Yeah, you'll definitely like River City Girls. A lot of fun. And uh, I also started playing Azure Dreams for the PlayStation, which is a Konami joint. And that is addictive as crack and also very hard. And it's addictive because it is a roguelike with Pokemon and dating sim elements. So there's that. Hmm. Wow. That sounds like it should be illegal. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like crack cocaine right there. Yeah. It's a perfect storm of all of the most like addictive personality things you can put in a video game. Now, if only they mm-hmm. had had like microtransaction gambling back then, you would have had the. Especially with Konami. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. They should just have, like, a pachinko machine in there. Just oh, stay fuck. right the fuck on brand. No, that was still back in, like, 96 or something. It was it was before Metal Gear Solid, because it's one of the games that when Psycho Mantis reads your memory card, he can read. And sit and tell that's you that that's true. We, we did talk about that, yeah. So what have you been up to, Shane? Yeah. Um, what have I been up to? I don't even know. Um, I'm still I'm, – so I'm playing through the new season of Diablo 3, as I usually do. Rolled up a, a monk this time instead of the uh, – the spin to win blender barbarian that I had in season 19, which I'm actually kind of regretting a little bit now because the whirlwind one was actually still way more effective, but I'm, I'm making the monk thing work. So doing that. Um, and then let's see what, what else have I been playing lately? I don't know, man. I've kind of been dabbling around with some stuff on my switch. Um, I've actually, I went back and looked at some of the uh, super Nintendo and like Nintendo stuff that they've been offering on there because it has been a hot minute since I looked. Um, and uh, so I, I started um, started kind of diving into a few of those just to kind of check them out because there's still a lot of those older titles that I didn't get a chance to play back in the day. And having the built-in, like, you know, save state stuff is is always nice because you know me and my save states. So the Shane so states. That's nice. Yes, the, the Shane state. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's kind of mostly it right now. Honestly, haven't really been doing a lot of serious gaming. I did start, um, playing a new Castlevania game though. Well, new to me after our conversation that we recently had, which as of this recording, I 
don't believe is out in the wild yet. I could be wrong about that. But um, we did a, a guest spot on another podcast, and we ended up talking about Castlevania because that's one of my favorite series. And I realized I had never played uh, any of the PS2 Castlevania entries. So, of course, I went to the eBay and um, found copies of those. So I just had uh, Lament of Innocence come in like a day or two ago. So started playing that with my PS2 hooked up to a nice CRT TV. So that's uh, that's been fun. I think I, the, I, I, I missed out on that. It's actually a pretty enjoyable game I, so far anyway. I think the best thing I can say about that game is that it's not bad. <laughs> okay, well... That's fair. Solid I, I mean, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. It's it's not bad. I was going to say, if I may interject before you may move forward, I noticed that no one has mentioned that they have been playing Animal Crossing. Is that is that true? That's a fact. Yeah, no, I, yes. I'm not playing that. Oh, no. man. So that is what I really have been playing recently. But uh, um, everyone everyone knows You're keeping what you that do in Animal yourself, Crossing, or? right? Yeah, my, my family... All the females in my family have been posting that they've been playing it a lot lately. So, <laughs> I no just, shade. Just, just saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I no, just me and my girlfriend have been playing it together, and we've been having a blast, you know, watering that our garden sense, yeah. and, you know, decorating our houses. Collecting <laughs> your fruit. Collecting fruit and Paying duplicating your our royal crown. money to a raccoon. Wait, duplicating your royal crowd? What does that mean? So, <laughs> there was a duplication bug that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that they did not you know catch before the game released and people found it and the royal crown is uh worth 300,000 bells and if you don't know uh you can't get 300,000 bells in a very short time frame it's more like uh, one fish is like you know 500 and you know one fruit is like 500 so 300,000 bells when you get a crown and then you duplicate that over and over again you have 30 spots in your inventory you go to Timmy and Tommy and then sell it and then you're a millionaire. <laughs> and then they just patched it today. So uh, uh, if, if you're an Animal Crossing fan and you didn't know that, sorry. Is this, <laughs> does, when you get all that, are you like, can you remove yourself from underneath Tom Nook's thumb? Is that how that works? Never. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. No, Tom, Tom Nook is like the, the quintessential scummy landlord. You, you'll never escape him. Poor Tom. It's like a bad time for him because people are like now looking down on capitalism. So <laughs> it's a bad he just, time for he him. Just, he just <laughs> wants to be a good entrepreneur and give back to the corporations the are people too, everybody. Oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> I'm just going to stay out of this. Have, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, I've been long. playing Animal Crossing and it's been fun. Welcome to the the Nook Economic (laughs) Podcast. We're going to talk about the fluctuations in the Bell's market over the last week or two. So, so I have to ask this: Who is Tom? Did you say Thumb? Tom Nook. Tom Tom Thumb. Tom Nook. He's an he's he's a entrepreneurial raccoon. Oh, oh, he's in. Okay, got it. Sorry, I've literally never played Animal Crossing. Okay, he's the guy that like says that he can upgrade your house, and he actually upgrades it for you ahead of time. But then you owe him three hundred thousand bells, and he'll let you pay it. You know, whenever you want to. You know, you just can't upgrade your house again until you pay that initial loan. So it kind of is like how our credit system is, (laughs) except without late fees. Yeah, so play Animal Crossing if you want to pay another mortgage. (laughs) (laughs) 
you escape reality to but at any rate um we, i guess with all of that said now uh we're, we're surprisingly we're we're talking about not animal crossing today we are we're talking about an entry into the the final fantasy series that some may or may not be familiar with i don't know it's relatively obscure but we figured we'd you know bring it to light have a little discussion about it maybe get some exposure out there it's uh it's ff7 oh so, that's uh, irony oh yeah but uh <laughs> so anyway i guess i'm gonna do a chris and i'm just gonna introduce myself on this one because i'm gonna kick off this brief history and then our uh Hey, Shane, do you think maybe you could give us a brief history of FF7? Holy shit, I could totally do that. Shinra Company, a large conglomerate that possesses all of the world's energy and controls its politics. Outraged by the Shinra, the inhabitants formed the rebel group Avalanche to resist them. After coming into contact with Avalanche in a bar, Cloud joins their demolition mission in return for a large reward. Their target is the Shinra power plant, Makoro. These were the words etched on the background of the cinematic starlit sky in 1996. Soon, that sky would shift to a young woman surrounded by a soft green glow in an alleyway, who walks out into a street crowded with people and motorcycles passing by. The screen would then pan out, revealing a massive cyberpunk-styled city. Emblazoned on this striking visual would be a logo for a game that would soon be on the lips of anyone with even a passing interest in video games. Final... Fantasy 7. Development for Final Fantasy 7 would begin on the Super Nintendo after, naturally, completion of Final Fantasy 6 in 1994. Series creator Hironobu Sakiguchi would return as producer with Yoshinori Kitatsi reprising his role as director, as he did with Final Fantasy 6. Development would halt shortly after so that members of the team could focus on the game Chrono Trigger but would resume again in 1995. Initial concepts had the story taking place in New York City circa 1999, with our eco-terrorist heroes still looking to blow up Mako reactors while being pursued by a hot-blooded detective named Joe. A setting changed direction after Sakiguchi wanted a shift in tone towards the importance of life as a way to grieve for his mother who died during development of Final Fantasy VI. The original concept, however, would end up being leveraged for the 1998 game, Parasite Eve. While beginning its life cycle as a more traditional 2D game, the decision to make Final Fantasy VII a three-dimensional title allowed the team to take full advantage of next-generation hardware. Square ultimately made this call without actually knowing which system the game would be developed for. The highly anticipated but cartridge-based Nintendo 64 or the compact disc player Sony PlayStation. After creating the now-famous 3D demo using Final Fantasy VI characters, Square discovered that the models they created were pushing the graphic limits of, N of Nintendo's console. Further, the system would not provide the amount of disk space necessary to accommodate the grand scope they had in mind, even with taking the N64DD into account. Additionally, with CDs being cheaper to mass-produce, it became apparent that the Sony PlayStation would be Final Fantasy VII's eventual home. 
After assembling a team that would include Future Square superstar Tetsuya Nomura, decisions had to be made about how the game would be developed. In-game characters would shift from tried-and-true sprites to polygonal 3D models. Backgrounds would be pre-rendered with transitional animations implemented to obfuscate loading times between screens. The battle system from Final Fantasy IV through VI would remain largely intact with the addition of limit breaks, a concept first explored in Final Fantasy VI's desperation moves. And of course, the game's greatest hook, beautifully rendered CG cutscenes that would be shown during key moments in the story. Final Fantasy VII was announced in February of 1996 with a playable game demo at the Tokyo Game Show shortly after. Western audiences would get their first glimpse at E3 of that same year, with a playable demo being included with Square's inaugural PS1 effort, Tobol No. 1, in September. Final Fantasy VII would go to retail in Japan on January 31, 1997. For the Western release, Square and Sony would create a partnership of necessity due to the niche market of RPGs and Sony's desire to separate itself from the N64 and Sega Saturn. Sony would push Final Fantasy VII in North America on September 7, 1997 and in Europe on November 17, making the first Final Fantasy title to ever be released in that region. Due to Sony's massively successful marketing campaign and overwhelmingly positive critical reception, Final Fantasy VII went on to become a mega-hit, selling 9.8 million physical copies during its initial PS1 run, with 4 million of those units being in Japan alone. The game itself has garnered a gigantic fanbase and enduring legacy. The game has received additional lore in the form of sequels, prequels, and spin-offs in all forms of media, from video games to full cinema-quality movies. While Final Fantasy VII may be a polarizing entry for fans of the series, there is no denying the impact it had on the entirety of the gaming community and the RPG genre as a whole in the West. And that is your brief history of Final Fantasy VII. All right. Thank you for that brief history, Brianna. That's uh, there's there's a lot to cover about FF Seven, and so I know Chris had told me when when he was uh, preparing the notes for this particular episode that he had to be very selective about what we were going to include because uh, of of a lot of the games that we've talked about. I think this is probably one of the ones that has been perhaps most exhaustively researched and documented by its fan base over the years. So there, there is potentially a lot to talk about there. So super, me- super that. mega fans who will not stop about it ever. If anyone listens to this, they're going to be like, you missed this and you missed that. And they didn't even talk about that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't they talk about <laughs> yeah. the, why didn't they talk about the cloud Sephiroth Yowie? Yeah. Disclaimer. <laughs> now we only have so much time and <laughs> you can always add on. By uh, sending an email or something to uh, to retro game to retro hangover podcast. Yes, that's right. Yes, please feel free to uh, you know comment about how much we don't know about your <laughs> most favorite game in the world. As I, as I heard, as uh, what Jim Sterling says, we're here to let you know that your favorite games are are great or perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, all right. So as we are usually wanted to do, we'll kind of start this, this part off with, uh, some of our, I guess, personal experiences with the game itself. 
Um, how about uh, how about we start with our our guest host uh, Brianna? So, how did you first encounter FF Seven, and uh, how did that occur? Okay, so I actually had to do some research back in my own history because I was trying to remember how this all worked out because it was released on PlayStation One, but uh, we never had one of those. We got our my first gaming system in our house was a PlayStation Two. Um, and I think we got it right around actually when it was released. So it was re- PlayStation Two was released on March in two thousand. Um, I'm pretty sure my brother got it for his birthday in October of that same year. So I would have been about eleven years old or so. And so it was already a few years old when it came in. But my dad bought it for us with the PS Two, and I started playing it with them. But my dad was playing it, and my brother was playing it all at the same time. Um, and I, being the youngest, obviously got the least amount of time on it of the other two two gamers and I would watch them play and I realized because they were ahead of me that spoiler alert at the end of disc one Aerith dies what ne- <laughs> I would never know yeah now you gotta put a spoiler alert at the beginning of the podcast like oh, shit. <laughs> spoiler for a game that came out over like what is it now 20 like 22 20, 20, 20 something years something ago like that. 23 yeah. years yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, when I found that out, I got so upset because I loved Aerith. Like that was, she was the one I always had in my party and I thought she was the coolest person. And I loved, I even loved her clothes and like her, her, like everything, her flowers, nothing about her was bad. And so when I found that out, I was like, now screw this. I am not letting Aerith die. And so instead I did absolutely everything you could do in the game before her death like i got all the way up to the point right before that whole uh sequence starts and then i went and did everything else i had everybody else up to like uh max limit breaks for everyone i could get to i even had like knights of the round that i had found because i had bred a gold chocobo already like everything you could possibly think of to do i did it and then i was like well i beat the game i guess and i just stopped playing (laughs) because in my (laughs) mind (laughs) that was the end of the game and so Years later, like, uh, I want to say it was like five, maybe six years later, something like that, I came back to it when my dad had gotten remarried and my new younger brother, uh, Matthew, had started playing it. And I was like, you know, and he was like, what's this old saved game? And I was like, that's fine. I was like, you know what, I should probably just finish it. So uh, I had my older brother, like, uh, play through the part where Aerith dies. I was like, I can't watch. I'm going to go in the other room. Let me know when it's over. And then once it happened, I come back in, I play for like maybe another 15 minutes or so, log out. And then uh, I only lived with my dad's on the weekends at that time. So I came back the next weekend to find that my younger brother had saved over my game. Ah, a tale as old as time. Nice. The younger sibling saving over your complete save file. And I was like, fuck this. I'm never playing this again because <laughs> I was so pissed. Uh, up until, uh, lo and behold, Shane, your amazing host, uh, came into my life and we started talking about old games on Steam that he had. And he's like, well, I've got FF7, but I've like never really played it. And I was like, you know, I'd be down for playing that again. And so I started playing it casually here and there over the last couple of years. And I'm actually still playing it. Like I said, I uh, right before this ep- we started recording this episode, I have gotten to the point where Cloud is at like level 96, I want to say. Uh Barrett is at level uh, like 90 something. Um, I've got them all pretty much above 80 except for Cat Sith because fuck Cat Sith. Um, <laughs> don't like me. Poor <laughs> guy. 
He's a useless character. He is pretty bad, to be quite honest. <laughs> um, and, he, and he's like he's like a traitor <laughs> a couple times in this. And there's like another part where he like dies to like save everybody. And then like two seconds later, he shows back up and he's like, hey, I'm Cat Sith too. It's like, what the fuck? You don't even die right. <laughs> so... <laughs> See, I, I was actually surprised when she told me that apparently the, the sentiment for that character is similar to hers, I guess, because like I actually know him more from uh, Final Fantasy Opera Omnia, the, the mobile title, because that's the one I play like all the time. And he's actually super useful in that game. So I was like, what are you talking about? I love him. And she's like, he no. sucks. And I'm like, no. oh, OK, he's like the worst. No. Yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's really bad in this game. Definitely. I don't. Yeah. Um, I like Kite so, But yeah, that's that's my background for it. What about you guys? Oh, go ahead, Tiger. You can go next. Well, I, I didn't want to go too much into it, but um, Bro only has like two limit breaks <laughs> in line. <laughs> All right. So he's, he's, he should, oh, also, for the record, since we have four people here, maybe we can get a consensus on this. Because I don't know. Is it pronounced Cat Sith or Kate Sith? Kite She. Kite She. <laughs> what the fuck? It's Gaelic. Yeah, it's actually pronounced Cat Shit. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. Wow. Did it get darker in here? There's a lot of shade getting thrown <laughs> right now. While we're on this, Aerith or Eris? Uh, well, I've always said Aerith. If, if you say Eris, then Aerith never died. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, that changes everything. I'll be honest. I, I, I fluctuate it, too. I know it's Aerith, but... Yeah, well, Japanese okay, so, it's Aerith, but you know the translation made it Aerith. I know that, but yeah. the, the Kate Sith thing, I didn't actually know about that, and now you know how I pronounce it. Yeah, see, I always, I always thought it was Kate Sith. Yeah, so. that's that's how I always pronounced it until I played the Japanese version of Final Fantasy IV, and they have the uh, the leopard enemies. Forget what they're called in the English version, but mm. I read the katakana romanji, and it said Kite Shi. And then when oh. it got and when it got brought back over to the United States, I think on the FF4 Complete Collection for the for uh, the PSP, they were called Kite Sith. So I was like, oh. It's Gaelic, and it's actually, yeah, Kite Shi, that's how it's pronounced. Because Gaelic hmm. is really fucking weird, if you yeah. ever try reading see, it. See, it I really just skipped is. over all of that, and I just renamed him uh, <laughs> Hamlet after our derpy cat that likes to eat, like, aluminum foil and bags. Because the intelligence seemed, seemed level, I think, is about the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so Tiger, um, what, what was your experience with FF7? <sighs> so... Um, I'm 13 years old, <laughs> and uh, Final Fantasy 2 and 3 in America had a very strong impact on me as a kid. Um, I talked about this, uh, I don't know if it was two episodes ago, one episode ago, whatever, but um, when I first discovered Final Fantasy 2, uh, I just remember being so in love with the music, and I just wanted to play this game because the music was so good, and... When I heard about Final Fantasy VII, I was a Nintendo guy. So I only had a Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and that was it. So when they said it was on PlayStation 1, I was like, well, obviously, I need to get a PlayStation 1. And <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> of course. So that's what I did. And I remember getting a pre-order It's the only logical conclusion. Um, uh, it might have been EB Games at the time. And when you pre-ordered, you got uh, a T-shirt with cloud on the back and like a final fantasy seven logo on the front. And I had that shirt for years, you know, until that thing faded. I loved that <laughs> thing. But I mean, my, my first experience was day one. I got it uh, when it first came out and um, I'm even skipping other parts because I remember like before the game came out demos, 
uh, not demos, but uh, what do you call those things? <laughs> Videos, like trailers or or just leaks of like gameplay. <laughs> what do you call it? Yeah. What are those moving <laughs> well, pictures well, that the all the is, kids are it, about these our days? Talkies. This was still yeah. the late 90s. So like back then, it's weird to like look back and it's like, oh, they used to have videos on the internet. I was probably like on, you know, slow internet and I was like downloading it forever. But I remember like this uh, like 20 second clip that I had downloaded of Leviathan and just watching this Leviathan creature come out and like scream. And then you see this huge wave come. I used to watch that thing over and over again because I remember how amazing it felt. Be like, man, this is so much better like the quality and the graphics and the video like it's so amazing <laughs> look at <laughs> i was so like of those polygons <laughs> yeah like now you can look back on it and be like man that looked so like it looks awful but back then the difference between a super nintendo final fantasy and final fantasy 7 was just like so ridiculous and oh, i was yeah. i was hypnotized by that game obviously you can kind of tell by how crazy i mean but uh i just recently played the through the entire game uh, about two or three weeks ago i think i just finished it and just through that gameplay even like 23 years later uh, i had learned so much more stuff about the game that i didn't even know because the first time i played it i just played it blindly but like this time i played it with like a strategy guide sort of you know i just googled it on the internet or whatever and i just found up so many new things and just going through the game again made me realize that they put tons of work in this game you know it's and and this was before all the dlc and all that stuff you had to do things in this game to make people play it you know for over 50 60 70 80 hours or whatnot and Mm -hmm. there was enough content in that game where um you would play the game that long and and love every minute of it I've got a similar one to you because this was my first game that I ever played on a, on a console pass. I mean, like I played like Game Boys and stuff like that. But this is my first like actual like console game and seeing it on a big screen. The first time I saw like summons and stuff like that, I just I was in awe. I was in complete awe of it. So and I think I still have a very soft spot in my heart. Even now, like you said, years later, I, I play I'm playing it and I'm just like Knights of the Round still looks. Oh, badass. my gosh. And yeah, Knights of the like. Round. <laughs> it, it, you, it was like that that. That summon that you got, you're like, when is this going to be over? It, it, it never <laughs> ends. <laughs> it never ends. It's it is. And that I amazing. love every single second of it because it looks so <laughs> beautiful, you know. So yeah. Now see what you really want to do with that to maximize your Knights of the Round uh, experience. Oh no! Is just hook that hook that up with one of those other like magic materia that make you cast multiple summons in a yeah. row, Mine. and then W-7. go get a snack with mimic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what about you two, uh, Shane and uh, Chris? Did we have any of these amazing, mesmerizing, wonderful, heartfelt experiences from our childhood that we were just connecting to? Yes. Man, I didn't own no damn PlayStation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to – no. So I I guess I'll do mine. Yeah. Uh, No. So if you've listened to the show for a little while now, you probably know that I was very much the Nintendo boy for most of my – childhood. So I, um, I did not own a PlayStation or a PS2 for that matter. Uh, so this and a lot of other titles that, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I'm now going back to and experiencing for the first time, I, um, pretty much totally missed out on. Uh, so I did not play this at all when it came out and I didn't even get around to thinking about playing it until, you know, a handful of years ago. 
And uh, just mostly because I'd always heard all of the, you know, the hype about it and the the fan base that it has and everybody, you know, saying that Cloud or Sephiroth are our best husbando. And so I was like, you know what, uh, I guess I'll check this out. And um, according to my save file on Steam, <laughs> I believe I played for about 53 minutes, <laughs> oh. give or take. <laughs> And I was but just you're, like, you're, you're still in the, uh, you're still in the first uh, town with that one. You're, you're still yeah. in, uh, yeah. And I was just like, I feel like I had to have been there for this game because I, it just didn't grab me. And, and this is coming from somebody who I'm is sorry for your loss. a very big RPG fan too. But I was just like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but mm. that, that's it. Now, you know contrasting that because as Brianna said she's she's been playing this on my Steam account uh just for the record I went and looked and as of right now there are about 160 hours played on Final Fantasy 7 so when she says that she plays oh my. casually what she means <laughs> is that she just spread the playtime out over a number of years God. but there is zero things casual about that no, that's that's very true. None. That's very true. I I, I actually we I uh, when did we start when did I start playing this again, Shane? Like, oh, I I don't know. It's been eighty years. I don't. Eighty. <laughs> Seems so long. Yeah. We are now old and wrinkled since the beginning. No, uh, I think it was about. I think it's had to have been at least three years now though that I I've been kind of playing it. But like like I said, I, I'll play it constantly for like during the summertime and then when school starts and I get back into my teaching groove, I'm like, nope, don't have time for that. And then I'll play it again for like a month in the summer and then nope, don't have time for that kind of a thing. 160. That's like you were truly having fun. Like you were just going around and just doing random stuff. <laughs> oh no. Actually, no, no, it's not random. There's a list. No, like, I mean <laughs> I mean like a list. okay, so like when like my girlfriend plays, she'll like go to the golden saucer and like she'll just love playing uh, you know the uh, the Mog game where you just have to make uh. Mog get a mate, and you know wow. if, if you fly <laughs> in front of the what? mate, you know what? then they fall in love and have kids. Like mm -hmm. the end, and that yeah. you know <laughs> she. I, I played it once for the uh, reward, and then I I never played that one again. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm just saying, like it's like if it, it feels like one of those things. I when I when I said I played yeah. it like two three weeks ago, I played it like for eighty hours, and I swear that I think i 100 percent of the game like i did everything that i never knew that you could do but then again like i said earlier i did use like a strategy guide so that kind of helped so i'm using a strategy guide now at the end to kind of make sure i've got everything before i go to the final because i still haven't then i honestly I haven't even finished yet I'm, I'm at the point now where i'm about to go fight I'm, I'm finally set up for emerald and ruby at uh the final battle with sethroth and geneva which uh genova which i'll probably uh be doing soon I'm do not, it, girl. Uh, do it. If, yeah. Uh, but, but take your time. That's, yeah. But, yeah. um. No rush. But, yeah, I am like your girlfriend in the way that I will go to the, uh, the Golden Sister. So I've got that gold chocobo. I've literally just ride him everywhere, um, all the time. And I have, uh, gone to the Gold Sister a whole bunch and raced like, like crazy to the point that, uh, when Shane is playing, uh, the, What's it called? The uh, the the Final Fantasy op, uh, Omni other thing on on his phone, and they have the. Ba -ba 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 I'm like, oh, it's the Chocobo music, and he's like, that's the, 
That's the winning music. And I was like, I just associate it with chocobos because I win. She's like, nah, that's that's chocobos. I'm like, okay. (laughs) That is the chocobo victory music. Yes, it is. And that's all and that's all I associate with is I'm like, yeah, it's the but for the chocobos. Like three three fourths of the stuff in there, like I'm like, oh that's chocobo music. And he's like, no, this is a general thing. And I'm not everything is chocobo music. (laughs) (laughs) But if it but if they use it with the chocobo, I'm like, "Mm, it's a chocobo thing now. BT dubs, I have a deep needed desire, a deep desire for uh, for owning my own chocobo. Like that has been a dream. They're probably smelly. Yes, yes you got to get it. You have to buy a I, chocobo. I don't mind. I don't mind if I can get a fucking bird that can literally walk on water and just like walk over a mountain like it's no big deal. I don't care. They can smell like crazy. Good point. Boy, we will Febreze you every day. I'll take it. Quack. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I'm actually very, very interested in what Chris has to say. Oh. Yes, Chris. Oh, so. Yes, tell us why this is your favorite game to play. No. <laughs> yes. I'm not going to tell you that because it's not. Um, not that game. But again, it's it's kind of like it shares a lot with Zelda. And whenever we get to Ocarina of Time, we'll have a lot. Of, it'll be a similar thing. So I got. You son of a bitch. Yeah. D- just wait your turn, Shane. Um, oh, I am. <laughs> Did you call it Ocarina of Time? Yes. Oh, oh, sweet. As opposed to Aka? Oka Aka? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that a debatable thing, too? <laughs> yes, it's debatable. Ah, um, okay. <laughs> everything is. Of course. Okay. So I'll just go by, I'll, I'll check out and see how it's spelled in J- Japanese, and I'll give it <laughs> to you. Okay. okay, all right. But Japan's in the, in the meantime, right. uh, so, yeah, I was a lot like Tiger. So, I mean, I had been playing the original Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy three, known as six, uh, everywhere else. Uh well before you know Final Fantasy VII came out, I was a, just getting really big into uh, RPGs. I hadn't played Final Fantasy II by that point, you know Final Fantasy IV. So I was like playing everything else I could get my hands on. So got a PlayStation Christmas of '96, which if you've been on the show before, that was the Christmas my dad went crazy and got us all three of the consoles for each of us because there's three of us. So my brother got the PlayStation. And then I started hearing about uh, Final Fantasy VII coming out on the PlayStation. You know, that was the big thing, especially if you're an RPG fan. Anything Final Fantasy related was cool. Saw it in the magazines. And then I saw that Square would be releasing it with the game Tobal Number 1. So my first experience with Final Fantasy VII was in September of 1996 with Tobal Number 1, which I actually oh, wow. played before playing Tobal Number 1 itself. Uh, so <laughs> played the, played the demo. And of course, you know, everyone was really blown away by the demo. Don't, you know, there's a lot of differences between the demo and the final game. Like you're going through and you're playing with Barrett and Aerith and Cloud and, you know, I have summon magic. So like when when Tiger was watching those videos on the Internet, I was playing it on my TV, though, those screenshots in the, in, in the magazines, everything like that, that was there for the demo. So the demo was fantastic. It was necessary for the hype. So, of course, I did whatever I could to convince my parents that I had to get this game when it came out. So much like Tiger, I was there day one uh, playing Final Fantasy VII. And I, I know I played the you crap out of it. You loved it. I did at the time. I do. I, I too, okay. and, and For the most part, I still do. I, it just has its flaws. Uh, I think one of the things that really crippled my experience, though, is does anyone know those mega memory cards that were released back in the day that had like 25 pages? Yeah, it's yeah. huge. So mm-hmm. that's the memory card that my Final Fantasy VII save was on. Uh-oh. So I was flipping the pages to go to another memory card and came back to it one day. I had about 70 hours put into the game. 
and the memory card decided to format itself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so needless to say, um, I did end up beating it, uh, but I just resorted to using a <laughs> With game a shark. baseball bat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to resort to using a game shark in order to, you know, finish the game out. And if I recall correctly, I may not have lost everything, but like there was a save file that was like 35 hours and another one that was at 70 and the 70 hour one went away. So I had to start. So that's that's my story of Final Fantasy seven. I did love it at the time and uh, I still think it's a very good game today. I just I will up until the formatting error up until the formatting error. I just have some serious, serious problems with with a with a lot of it or not more more the more the reception than at like the actual game itself well you know we got to know what those are oh yeah of course mm-hmm. yeah please uh, the plot is incoherent uh it makes what? absolutely no the sense the plot of a jrpg is incoherent <laughs> okay all right i'm gonna i'm gonna say I, i'm gonna hear you out but i'm gonna just say this uh to, <laughs> i'm gonna let you okay. finish but, so, but first i gotta say this that like i'm coming off of just we we just finished not too long ago, the last game that i really was watching uh shame play cuz we usually take turns watching each other play games uh-huh. was uh kingdom hearts and uh when you say incoherent <laughs> i'm just like nah nah you don't know what the um, word means yet i present <laughs> to you tetsuya nomura yes no there wasn't even nomura that was on the plot design it was sakaguchi but uh yeah, but uh, but you and, you tell uh, you say your piece go yeah sure so, I mean, especially coming off of Final Fantasy VI, which is the most coherent and probably beautiful plot in terms of organizing 16 unique characters. So coming off that, having a very, very, very great plot, you're coming to this game where you have a bunch of people, you know, the eco-terrorist group Avalanche, and they're going after the Shinra group. That's, that's okay, obvious parallels to, like, oil, big business, uh, mm-hmm. everything like that. Okay, everything's cool. So you're going up against Big Bad, and all of a sudden uh, you see a long sword. And you escape Midgar, and everyone's like, what do we do now? And Cloud's like, let's go find Captain Stabby Stabby. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Why, why are we doing this? So I, I look at the narrative of everybody. Why are they following Cloud once he leaves there? Doesn't make sense for Barrett. Kind of makes sense for Tifa. Does make sense for Aerith. Red 13, give or take. Kaichi, obviously, because, you know, he's a spy. But at the end of the day, well, Kaichi's not there yet. He's at the Gold Saucer, sorry. But... I'm just thinking, okay, why are they following this dude? So, okay, fine. They're following this dude. I still don't understand why. So you get up to the point. The magnetism. I can, I can explain that. Hair. Why, I got this. Okay, why are they following Cloud? Why are they listening okay. to this psychopath? All right, so first off, like I said, stabby, stabby dude. Clearly, yeah. Cloud decides he wants to follow him. They've lost a bunch of people, but Cloud made an effort to try and save multiple people in their group. And if it wasn't for his efforts and some of the stuff that he had done with their mercenary group, like Barrett's daughter wouldn't be safe and that kind of a thing. Right. So we come out of that. They're talking and everything. And at this point, Red has pledged loyalty to whatever Cloud wants help with more or less because freaking Cloud is uh, the guy who saves him from being... uh, experimented on the group the right. group saved the group saved them okay but it's always the, you can change who's in that group cloud's gonna be your constant right all right so he go, so cloud saves him and everything like that and he <laughs> wants to find cloud out save yeah and then he wants to uh find out more about obviously like why was he being experimented on all right they also know that because stabby stabby dude has got something going on with shinra they've got to figure out like why is yeah? Why is Stabby Dude so interested 
in in Shinra. What's the issue? Is he a good guy on our side? Mm -hmm. Is he a bad guy? You know, if you are in a situation where you're like facing off against somebody else, you need to know if the other factors are going to be helpful or hindrances. So they're trying to figure that one out. Tifa's going to follow him anywhere because that girl is in love with him. Aerith is going to follow him anywhere but, because but she knows she protector. she knows he's psycho. She absolutely knows she, he's psycho. There's no way. Like every plot reveal later, she has to know he is out of his fucking mind. Me, Tifa. She has okay. to know that. Yes, she watched him kill Sephiroth. She watched him do it. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. <laughs> Since when did love follow those rules of like sanity? You know, when he's when he's chasing the skirt of or some other moistened tart, I would think that would kind of overrule it. <laughs> nah, nah. Love beats psycho any day of the week. And then like that's not in Tifa's then, character though. Oh, shit sure is. No, it's she's not. Been following him since she was a child. You don't. You don't think Literally. she's she's part of this. She's part of this group. This this like in like just insurgent rebel group. To take it down, mm-hmm. you still got Rufus who's alive, and here comes this dude that the last time you not saw him, he he killed Captain Stabby Stabby Sephiroth, and now he comes back and he's like, oh my god, Sephiroth is back. And she's like, no, you killed that dude. You, you killed him. He's gone. So if we're chasing him, why are we chasing him? Let's go kill Rufus. That would have made sense. Like, we got to go for Rufus. Come with me, Cloud. She's not going to leave him alone because he's not going to follow her, and he knows, and she knows that, and she's like, I don't want... I, 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 she's not going to leave him alone. She's not going to leave the one she loves like off by himself to go do stabby stabby things mm-hmm. with this new crazy bitch that he's that's hanging out with him. I mean, seriously, what woman is going to leave her man with another woman and just go off lalagagging around? That's a well, apparently it was good enough for her for like ten years. <laughs> no response. I don't think she <laughs> had a say. Like, well, actually. he wasn't okay. He was not with another girl at that point. She didn't know that. Yeah, but she could assume. She knows he's with another girl now. <laughs> I also like how we're getting bogged down in like the relationship politics or whatever of this fucking right. game. The relationships and, like, are big on this. Not even talking about, you know, <laughs> the rest of the batshit insane things that happen in this right. game. Like the fact that the main bad guy turns into some crazy fucking one-winged angel mutant thing. Yeah. That's the only time that the main bad guy's in the game, by the way. Yeah. The all the other time it's it's Jehovah. Jenova. Jenova. Jehovah. Je- <laughs> yeah. I know what you don't like. Now you're starting to see parallels that, that, that I haven't discovered. Neil was yeah. good enough for Jehovah. That and Aerith is a completely uh, underdeveloped character. I'm sorry. Well, she got stabbed through the midst. I know. Yeah. So you, that, need that's, to develop she, you need to feel sorry for the girl getting stabby stabby. That's essentially it. Hey, yeah. she's a female. Feel bad. There you go. Chris? Also, I want to point out that... Um, I will hurt you. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know this, but I went and looked it up, that the the lyrics for uh, Sephiroth's theme song are, in fact, Latin, and uh, basically can just be summed up as, yo, this dude, look at him. He's so mad. Man, this guy's really mad. Sephiroth. <laughs> that's, basic, <laughs> that's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I mean, there's interesting plot points like how Sephiroth came to be, uh, the the entire Genova experiment, like uh, how that like Hojo is essentially the actual main bad guy of the entire game. He just leaves That's early. True. Absolutely, I think. Those are those are interesting plot yeah. points. He was smart. He just pieced the fuck out. That's a, that's how you know he's the real bad guy because he's the one who was like, things are getting real. Shit. Nah, I'm yeah. good. I'll see you in another game. I will say though that the the relationship stuff I think is a big part. I know we were saying we we're getting bogged down by it. But there's the whole thing of trying to figure out who you're going to go on that date with and uh, the golden saucer. <laughs> yeah. And 
I love playing with the dynamics because I remember the first time I was like, oh, please let it be Earth. Please let it be Earth. Because despite what Chris says, she's amazing. She's not developed. Barrett is way more developed. That's a better date. She is sweet and amazing. And she has all the And two-dimensional. And when I was... Okay, when you are like 11 years old and you're looking at it, you're just... As a girl, I was like, just like, she's amazing. But I'm not 11 years old. Okay, I'm talking about me back in the day (laughs) at the original release. Go All right, into so your, FF7 your is for children. Got it. <laughs> That's, uh, I don't know if I got that far. Nah. Not with that, uh, not with the whole, like, the having to become a, yeah, scene. the prostitute cross-dressing scene. Oh, there's a That's lot more where that came from. I'm going to be, I'm going to be <laughs> honest. When I first played it, I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, oh, I'm going to make them pretty. And then, like, playing it as an adult, I was like, oh, my God, what? What am I doing here? Like, especially with all the questions, <laughs> like, are you going to, like, agree to this? Are you going to get closer? Are you Like, the different things, like, when you're in the room with him. And I was just like, I feel dirty right now. Like, <laughs> he, he about to fuck that guy. <laughs> I was like, my dad let me play this? <laughs> I was going to say that um, that game is actually, like, the first time they really had a chance to be a little more adult. Because you got Barrett mm-hmm. saying shit. And you got people having sex. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, fellatio, you know, all kinds of random shit that oh, yeah, the, you couldn't the, do on a Nintendo console. But the, thank the, you. The very, the very stereotypical gay scene. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. just now extremely yeah. controversial. I think they're going to be taking that up in the remake. I'm pretty sure they will. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I, I am very interested to see what they leave in and what they take out and then in the new and the new one, just to see. Well, I believe they have at least confirmed that the whole cross-dressing sequence is totally still oh, yeah. in there. Yes. I mean, it's too funny. And they have the but video, they- and everyone says that all three of them are pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, yeah. I, I don't think Sephiroth is as good as a villain as everyone says he is. Mm. Uh, I don't think... Okay, so Sephiroth is a villain in, like, the more... Like an old school type villain and the fact that he is mysterious and all powerful and that kind of a thing. I think we already addressed that, that like, that's one of the things that I like about the game is that there isn't really one like set villain. Shinra is a villain. Hojo is a villain. Yeah. Sathroth is a villain. And then on top of that, I mean, like, if you think about it, the whole reason why you have the weapons like Ruby and Diamond and and uh, and uh, Emerald and all that jazz and Ultima, these are all because of the Earth trying to like protect itself. Right. So you're fighting the and they're like bad guys in a way, quote unquote. But at the same time, they're they're not. I mean, like you're gonna fight them to get awesome stuff, of course, because it's a game. <laughs> that's the real like, reason. You're yeah, like, that's like want that loot. Yeah, though. like screw the Earth. But at the same time, there's a part of you that's like we're actually trying to defend the Earth. So why are we? One thing I want to so, bring up with this villain, I want to say that I like him better than Kefka because oh, of the hard oh disagree. Oh well, my god, hard disagree. Well, here's what I'm saying: Kefka was just like Kefka was just. Hold on, I need to get some popcorn. Kefka was just evil. Like you, you met him, and he's like this guy who does all bad shit, and you know, and, and he's a good character. I like him as a character. Kefka's great. I'm not like hating on him as a character, but. You learn a lot more about Sephiroth and why he became what he became, mm-hmm. and I appreciate I I can appreciate that as you know, I think the best villains are the type of villains where you can maybe feel for their situation, and you know, mm-hmm. a uh, sympathetic villain. Yeah, I, yeah, I can enjoy really those backstory. a little bit more than just someone who just does bad stuff. But case Thanos. in point, Thanos. 
Well, yeah, Thanos is great. But when it comes to Kefka, there is an explanation for why he is the way he is. It's because of all the Magitech uh, experiments they did on. They warped his mind. That's explained within the plot. Oh, so I you do have that. someone. Yeah, he's he's psychotic because the Empire continuously did experiments on him and infused him with Magitech. So that's that's why he's out of his fucking mind and he's drunk with power, which again, which is why he has he is the one winged angel before Sephiroth. I mean, we're all talking about this, but really what we ought to be talking about as far as best villain, it's clearly Xehanort. No, no. What? But he's but he's everyone all the time. Like I said in before, ev- in every want, timeline, if we want to go into a confuse the fuck out of everybody mode, we'll go to Kingdom Hearts. But I can at least get a semblance of a plot line no matter what your interpretation is of it, for our Final Fantasy. There ain't none in in Kingdom Hearts. It's just yeah. straight up like Disney. Fucking yeah. a lot of million other things. Don't you like this pointless shit? And then Xehanort. <laughs> so, Look it, it's Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah. that's my brief bit. history of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so yes, I will, I will relent that there are bits and pieces of Final Fantasy VII's plot that are coherent. And it does get from, you know, point A to point B. But it just seems like mm-hmm. it's very staggered. It, it makes it does a lot of deus ex machina and breaks a lot of rules to get to from characters to establish the motivations for why they are. And that is a overall probably big problem in a lot of JRPGs. I'm not even going to deny that. Mm-hmm. To be but fair, just, I, I, I was, yeah. was going to say, to be fair, I do agree with the fact that they did very well in Final Fantasy VI and in, like introducing all of the characters. The fact that how many characters are there? Sixteen, you 16. said? That's Sixteen. That's crazy. And the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. I was disappointed in the fact that they only had uh, like seven or eight characters in uh, Final Fantasy VII. Eight, including Cloud. And yeah, two of them, two of them being hidden. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Speaking of, I actually going on with the characters, um, I am curious, what is everybody's like who was your favorite character in Final Fantasy VII? Uh Vincent? <laughs> I think that yeah, Vincent. Even though his okay, limit and, limit breaks were crap. Yeah, they were. Well, okay, I mean, so, and why? Oh, Vince, because it, it was he's a goth guy, and I was a kid who was into goth <laughs> stuff. I was an angsty. You're the reason they made teenager. a game for Vincent, that sounds right? <laughs> I am the reason yeah. that after Cloud redeemed himself <laughs> and stopped being such a mopey shit, that he ended up becoming a mopey shit again because Vincent was so popular. Let's let's just be real about that. You're the one who like when you saw him come out of like the coffin, you're like, oh, shit, he's me. Yes, that is. <laughs> that's my that's my boy. That's the he's the coolest. <laughs> Vincent is a oh. I will say I loved Yuffie as a character because I was I, I've always liked the playful fun types. And she, she represented that very well. I always remember like she's always like the one that's sick on the on the uh, the high wind. I, I think she yeah. she has the best character arc outside of Cloud and Tifa, I think. I will say that, um, like I said, the first time around, obviously, it was Aerith. But, like, the second time around, um, playing this now, knowing that Aerith was going to die. So I just, like, I literally, re- I rename all my characters. I renamed Aerith this time as Gonna Die. That was her name every time she <laughs> popped die. up so that I wouldn't forget. <laughs> and I wouldn't get emotionally attached. I'm like, oh, you're going to die. That's it. Um, but... I love Yuffie. I think she's like my she was my favorite this time around just because I think she's probably the most coherent and well-developed of all the characters. And she always stays very true to herself, like just um, playing through the cutscenes right before the final fight. Uh, they they go down different ways and they're all giving you, oh, I found this. Oh, I found this. 
And then somebody has, and like Yuffie's like, yeah, it was great travel. And then somebody else had to be like, hey, Yuffie, didn't you find something too? And she's like, damn it. You know, like, because she doesn't want to give it up because she's like, no, 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 that's my materia. I steal everything. Fair, I, yeah, she's, for for a hidden character, especially how well developed she is, it's astonishing. Mm-hmm. And you're right, her side arc on the islands with the, with the very, very traditional Japanese looking town and everything. And what, what Tony, you think it is? Like, it was just amazing. Yeah. And Wu-Tai. Wu-Tai. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tai. How about you, Tiger? You said Yuffie was your favorite? Yeah, uh, as a character, okay. definitely. Yeah. That's, that's it, yeah. But yeah. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, as far as usage, uh, Cloud, absolutely. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't tend to like guns. I don't tend to like fighters. I usually like well, ninjas. It- uh, like, I loved Shadow in, in Six, but Yuffie, eh, I don't really like her. At, at was she usually was Yuffie usually in your part in your party, or she's just like kind of cool to keep off to the side? No, nah, I didn't really use her very much, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, she, who was your party? Uh, my main party. I mean, honestly, it was probably Cloud, Tifa, and Barrett, like the main three, really. Mm. Um, okay, I did so. like Red Thirteen a lot, uh, but I definitely used uh, Cloud, Tifa, Barrett the most. I will say okay. Red Thirteen's side story: what happened in Cosmo Canyon. That has to be the probably for me the most powerful side story. I definitely think it's one of the more beautiful ones. Uh, as far as graphics and design and everything, I always thought, and I, I personally really love his music there too. So it is some yes. good music, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of the music, yeah. the music in this game is just, you know, yeah, it's chocobos. <laughs> it's all chocobos. <laughs> <laughs> it's chocobo I mean, and some so canyon not, stuff. That's not it. Not for nothing because I, I don't, I don't have as much of an in-depth answer as everybody else. But yes, in case Shane. Anybody was curious what my favorite character was. Um, Moogles. <laughs> so, so your favorite character is Kite She. Yes, definitely. Uh, sorry. No, I mean, dude. Okay, he has the Moogle dance and his limit break. He's a mog. Super. It's super kawaii. He's a Moogle. Yeah. Actually, I will say, if, if we're doing like non-playable ones, I would just say like chocobos, chocobos. in general, just yeah, because I love figure. them. And I, I think my favorite is uh, I didn't even know about it until I was looking through a guide this last time through the uh, the chocobo mog uh, summon that you get from like responding. If you're if you've got a chocobo out in like the out at the chocobo farm, if you've got a chocobo out in like the fenced in area and he says wark to you and you respond with wark, he'll do like this really weird, funny dance and then give you the summon. <laughs> and that dance was just like I was in love. That was fire right there. I was just like, this is amazing. Also, the Chocomog summon itself is pretty great anyway. It is. Also, for the record, I, I'm not mistaken right that the 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 spinoff title that explored more of like vincent's background was called dirge of cerberus correct no my god you're right that is the most fucking edgelord name for (laughs) anyway that was big back then man we were all doing it dressed in black no, I mean, i was too no i totally was too yeah i had i had stock in hair gel like jeez so chris was vincent always in your party was he one of your three Actually, no. My main party, and I can get into it after we talk about the music and why it made the party the way it was and how it bothers me, is uh, Cloud, Barrett, and Sid. Okay. Mm. Sid's always forgettable for some reason. I actually really like Sid. As a, <laughs> I, I, like, I like Sid, though, as a character in it because he's, he's got actually one of the two, uh, the only two uh, weapons in the game that has triple growth for Materia. So I've used him quite a bit ah, for that. Yes. And he actually has some pretty... His final limit break is actually really good, so... I will say at this point, I think my three is um, Cloud, Barrett, and Sid. I think those are probably 
the strongest overall characters. Poor guy. Yes. He just wanted to go to space. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So music. Good. Fantastic. It good. Mm-hmm. I, composition is probably, in terms of composition, it's probably amongst the best in the series, if not the best. But Uimaso's decision to go with MIDI over CD quality, I think really hurts it. But the composition is phenomenal, especially like the boss music. Yeah, but I mean, there's, you know, the, the technological reasoning behind that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, there absolutely is. But I mean, in, in some instances, it, it sounds a little bit more awkward and off than even the the Super Nintendo Final Fantasies, in my opinion. And I, I think you can definitely hear a lot of that uh, between Final Fantasy 7 and 8, because I think 8 just really cranks up the sound quality. And I mm-hmm. that's why I think 8's soundtrack, I'm not saying 8's a better game, but 8's soundtrack is better <laughs> than Final Fantasy 7's. Well, I always thought it, it threw me off a little bit watching... Brianna play like uh, I actually I, I want to say I think it was the Leviathan summon that does this but it's that like weird screech noise that it makes or something and like I yeah. swear it sounds like a Pokemon like you know yeah. all those old school like Pokemon screech noises that's totally that's what why Tiger loves like. it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leviathan I choose you that's right that's basically what you're doing I will say I'm not crazy about some of the summon sounds but overall like I can't say it. I love the music, um, especially for me. It's not supposed to boss. It's obviously the, uh, as I've said a million times already, the Chocobo music. And then I really loved um, some of the side characters areas like Cosmo Canyon was really good. Uh, Yuffie's areas. I like their music as well. So they've got some interesting little little spots here and there. I will maintain that I think FF7's battle music is probably one of the better ones. Yeah. Mm. The tribute that you can really find. Uh, to make to know that Final Fantasy VII's composition is great is listening to all the remixed albums that are out there with with full orchestras. They are mm, just phenomenal. They are so beautiful and so gorgeous. And it didn't really translate to the PlayStation, at least how Uematsu originally wrote it. So one thing I want to get into with, with the gameplay, where I have a little bit of an issue, and just want to kind of kick this around. Um, mm. and I think this is mostly because I had experience with previous. RPGs, especially in the Final Fantasy series, is the materia system. And that's why my final party would be Cloud, Barrett, and Sid, is because the materia system almost makes all the characters' innate differences faceless. So, I mean, the characters themselves are characters, but their personalities are only through the journey. What's actually in your party, there's nothing really special about them other than their limit breaks. So, if I'm going to mm-hmm. choose a party, why wouldn't I choose a party who's limit breaks are the most powerful and most damage inducing and just mm-hmm. keep the materia on them as opposed like why would I use Tifa? Why would I use Kaichi or Ksid? Why would I use Yuffie or Vincent? There's no real reason for me to do that outside of personal preference. And the materia system enables it. And that's also mm-hmm. a reason I've really soured on Final Fantasy VI is because the Esper system also allows that to a smaller degree. I would say that I did enjoy the Esper system way better than the Materia system. And I've never had someone say it like that. When you say it like that, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, they did try to like throw in like, you know, if you get Yuffie, then you get the, the throw Materia, I guess, which one, it's one, uh, it's pretty pointless. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and you know, certain, certain characters came with certain materials, but obviously you could just switch them out to whomever you wanted to. So it really didn't matter in the end. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say that, that there are some edge cases where mechanically some of the characters 
can do things that the others can't that, you know, may come in use. Like, uh, I believe it was Yuffie, if I recall, was the only one that could do full damage with morph attacks. So, like, if you Mm -hmm. were trying to morph an enemy to get an item from them, then you would want to use her because you could get that done much more quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And also and also I think she's also the one that has naturally like the most uh luck. But uh, that kind of goes back to something I'm sure Shane's going to have a problem with because we've talked about this in the past. So first of all, it is kind of deemed irrelevant with the fact that materia does alter all of your statistics. So that's yeah. that's the first thing. You can make your characters, you can kind of design them whatever you want to. Now you do have your base statistics that mm-hmm. You know, they're inherently going to have and some are going to be higher than other. But again, you can use your material to shape them as you will. Second of all, those that information, you're not going to know it unless you have a strategy guide. Yep. Yeah, that's I mean, as much as OK, so that and Chris already knows this and some other folks that have listened to our previous episodes probably know this. But anyway, but that's that is the biggest reason why I did not go much further into this game and why I've dropped others is because a lot of the games from around this era in particular, um, particularly RPGs, you know, they were designed in such a way that you, if you wanted to get the full experience from the game, you are almost required to have, you know, a, a prima strategy guide or whatever sitting next to you because you, there's no there's no way that you could reasonably expect somebody to figure out a lot of the mechanics or hidden things in the game without spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours just scouring through stuff, which if that was there 160, (laughs) yeah, maybe maybe (laughs) that, but that's the point, right? Is like you have 160 hours into the game and you were still sitting there with game facts up on your tablet most of the time. Well, no, no, I only put the game facts up, I think, towards the end, honestly. Well, mm, I think, okay, I want to say that part of the idea uh, of this game was saying if you give this game to millions of people, you know, what are the chances that they're going to find it? Well, you know, ours, you know, times a million people, someone's going to find it, they're going to spread it amongst people, and then that's kind mm-hmm. of part of the 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 journey of the game is like you learn yeah, things from eggs. other people and then you go in and you're like oh shit yeah you can get a resurrection potion for Eris <laughs> yeah <laughs> what sorry I just randomly yeah. put that in but uh <laughs> yeah so that you know well, there's a glitch you can bring her back <laughs> that was one of the you know large rumors about the game but like the, I. that's my assumption i didn't find a lot of stuff and i was like amazed like i said when i recently played and found all this brand new stuff but i think that was kind of the point they wanted to throw in all this random stuff like there was this one there's this one part where you had to go in a cave and like see this guy when you you know uh, beat so many enemies and like you had to like battle so many times that where you you're, you're the number of battles had to end with a nine or odd or something like that in order for him to give you a specific item. Like, how would you even know that? You you just have your friend say, "Hey, he gave me an item." No, he didn't. He doesn't give you anything. <laughs> and, but yeah, I guess something like that would definitely be like, well, you wouldn't really know unless you had a strategy guide. Right. But it'd be fun to like hear it from your friend to be like, nah. It's kind of like I call it the well, Pokemon my- effect because people like lie about Pokemon all the time <laughs> and say that, you know, things happen and they actually don't. Or maybe they do. Hey, did you know about that truck that's parked down there? That's, uh, yeah. that's a big secret. 
I will say this, like, I personally, so when I first played this the first time around, I didn't have a strategy guide. I had my brother and my dad playing it before me, kind of telling me what to do, but they didn't have one either. They were just figuring it out as they went. And I think that the game is in of itself an enjoyable game, even without the strategy guide. Oh, absolutely. Um, But uh, I will say that, like I said, after I was like, no, fuck this, I'm not Kelly Daris, that I like went and did everything else. I actually found a whole bunch of stuff just by like randomly going around that I wouldn't have found otherwise. And again, I had a really good time with it. And now coming back to it years later with the strategy guide, I'm finding out even more things. And I actually kind of like the fact that it's, there's always, I feel like there's always a little bit more. Like the game, depending on what stage I was in life and what I used, I could still enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Well, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that the game is inherently bad because it includes a lot of like obfuscated stuff like that. What I'm saying is that it's, uh, largely a personal problem <laughs> because like I, <laughs> if, if you're right, if I had played this game back in the day before I had access to game facts or a strategy guide or anything, I listen, I would love to be blissfully unaware of like the minutia of a game when I go in to play it. Like, mm-hmm. but if I know that that exists, that there is a strategy guide right there and all I got to do is go look, then that flips a switch in my head to where I'm just like, well, I need to know where all this stuff is because if I'm going to play this game, yeah. I want to get everything. And then it turns it almost into a chore. So I I, I realize I do it to myself. I'm just <laughs> saying that like <laughs> it, it's a problem. Like that's why right now I'm, I'm, I am blissfully ignorantly playing Castlevania Lament of Innocence because I – I'm purposefully not looking anything up unless like I absolutely have to. And so far I really haven't. And I've been having a lot of fun with it. That's what I did. Like that's the same with me this last time I played through Final Fantasy. Like I had two tabs up for most of the game. I had final limit breaks and weapons. And that was it because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss the best weapons and the best limit breaks. But past that, it wasn't until like the end that I started being like, okay, where's all those materia at? Okay, which ones have I missed? Like, right, I'd- but see, that's the thing though, is you can go back. You can go back and be like, oh, I missed that thing. Well, I'll, I'll go back and grab it now. I am totally okay with that. The, the, mm-hmm. the biggest problem I have with these sorts of games that do a lot of this is missable things. Like, like Ramos. <laughs> yeah, like if, if there's something where you had no idea that it was going to be there, and then mm-hmm. you can't ever go back and get it again in that playthrough. That mm-hmm. that that has been an occasion for me to completely stop playing a game and never come back to it. Now, final. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say there final- are a few places that you can't come back to in Final Fantasy. I will say that, yes. but I don't think they're super major. Like, there's a point where you can't go back to totally like like there's a point where you can't leave where you cannot come back to Midgard anymore. Um, you come back at one point and like that's the last time. I think you can so, in disc three or four though, but you it, can. it's a it's a long, long time. You have to find a key I'm at, and then you can uh, get oh, back in the door. There? Okay, yeah, I guess that's true, but okay. It takes a long, long time. But I, I I can understand what Shane is saying. Like the first example, like you can go back and get everything in Final Fantasy Seven. There's no complete drop dead for the most part. But the first example that comes to mind is Ramu in the Golden Saucer. You can go back there eventually, but if you miss it the first time, you're going to be out of commission for a bit without Ramu. Mm-hmm. And that's extremely frustrating. Or uh, the fact that how are you going to find out critical key points about the plot for for Cloud and Zack without a strategy guide? That's super critical. How are you going to uh, – how many people intuitively found Vincent or or intuitively found Yuffie? 
Well, yeah. I mean, that's why they were optional, right? <laughs> yeah. It really weren't a big part I, of the main plot, but it was nice if you had them because mm-hmm. then you could find about you could find out the side point, the side plot. Yuffie, yeah. Yuffie, yes. Vincent is huge. Really? You think so? I think it's the I opposite. So. I would say I think Yuffie is bigger than Vincent's, Vincent. Vincent's past history explains a lot how Sephiroth kind of came to be. The, the whole entire development before Sephiroth, how Sephiroth was born, how, what Hojo's motivations were, what he was doing before. Yeah, it adds a lot. Mm. Mm, well, obviously <laughs> uh, a subjective topic, but so... Didn't, didn't we, add anything for me, so... <laughs> Well, so so we are running a little bit long, but there is one thing that I, I I wanted us to touch on because I feel like we kind of haven't, and we probably should when we're talking about a, a game like this. But how does how does everybody feel about the actual mechanics of the game as far as like combat goes? Because you know they had changed things up a little bit in this one. Obviously, in the brief history, we had mentioned that you know the concept of limit breaks was something that was sort of an evolution um, from previous entries in the series. Um, but things like, you know, your, your ATB gauge and, and things like that during combat, like do, did people like how that worked? Were there things that you wish were different? I mean, wasn't that introduced in the uh, six four. anyway? Is it introduced in four? Four. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, what I can say about it is that final fantasy seven was a very successful transition from the super Nintendo to the PlayStation. The, mm-hmm. the mechanics themselves, no issues whatsoever. It plays fine. It plays like Final Fantasy. Just some of the summons can go on for a little too long. <laughs> Loved it. Speak for yourself. Loved it. <laughs> Love Knights of the Round going on for five minutes. But, uh, but the uh, you said uh, you said the gauge. So like I remember the gauge being introduced in six, and I don't think four had one. But uh, I mean, it, it, was, it was the same techn- It was the same like idea. Yeah. But right. um, I mean, I, five I loved had it. It. I mean, it was what I was used to. So I was used. I played four and six, seven. Like I blended right in the like i said earlier the materia system actually kind of threw me off a little bit but i ended up like loving like how the system works like a different weapon you not you don't just choose the strongest weapons anymore now you got to think about do you want the weapon with the most materia spaces or do you want the weapon with the linked materia spaces and then you sacrifice you know the the strength of the weapon that kind of thing um and to be quite honest with the limit breaks, I kind of think at a certain point it gets a little overpowered. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, what do y'all think about that? I was going to say, I, I don't have as much on this one because I didn't come from the the Final Fantasy background that you guys had. Like I said, this was my first Final Fantasy game. This is my first console game. Um, so I can't compare it as much in that way. I, can play, I mean, I played Game Boy all day long, but I will say the only thing, I like it for the most part. The two things that kind of bothered me with the game mechanics is... Uh, one, in a turn-based game, it's weird that the enemy keeps attacking to me. Like, like if I stopped, if I walked away for a second and I decided to go get a drink <laughs> or something, I could come back and my and my characters could be dead because the enemy just kept attacking the whole time. So that was a little bit different for me. I'm like, if I got to wait so long, like, you should have to wait too. Um, and then, That is an option. What? Yeah, you can change that in a uh, config. Shit. <laughs> 160 hours. <laughs> but but I believe I mean that would just go back to how it used to be before Final Fantasy 4. This changes everything about how I've played this for years. You should just start over from scratch now. <laughs> Bite your tongue. Shut your whore mouth. All right. Um, damn. Okay, well that was one thing. That's like say the other thing though for me is I was like there's only the only thing that really bothers me is that there are certain characters that uh, in, like, the harder areas, 
that they can do one of two things, no matter how strong you are. They can either A, instant death you, which is bullshit. <laughs> doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter what level you are. I've got a character, like I said, 93 right now for Cloud, and he still can be instant deaths. And I'm like, this is bullshit. Shout out to Tom right. Berry. Right. I was just going to say, Master Tom Berry represent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then Barry. the other one that gets me is the um, is the ones that like can randomly just be like, uh, I'm just gonna like make your character disappear <laughs> because I have straight up lost gay lost battles because they're just like, uh, yeah, that one's gone, that Let's one's gone, a, and then you're gone, you lost, and I'm like, what the fuck? How do you get to take away all my characters? Oh my God. It's not as, okay. as a as a spectator, by the way, it was hilarious to watch that like skeleton demon ship just yes. like or slap you out of an arena. That's great. <laughs> So fucking annoyed. Yes. I was just like, that is not okay. Like in the, in the golden saucer. If I am stronger than you and I am fighting more strategically than you, you can't just be like, nah, you're done. Yeah. So the the active time thing was actually the one kind of issue that I had with it. And granted, you can change it, so that's that's fine. But I, I've never necessarily been a huge fan of that, even with the other entries into the series either, because I'm. I, I guess maybe I'm a little bit more of a purist, I suppose, in that way with turn-based combat sure. where I, as Brianna was mentioning, I would much prefer it to just be with the more traditional, like, it's my turn. I can take as much time as I want to figure out what I want to do and then do my thing, not have to be mm-hmm. constantly worrying about somebody still attacking me on, on regular intervals. So I've never been a big fan of that system, honestly. But outside of that, I mechanically, I haven't really seen too many too many issues with it. I know that like um, even just watching Brianna play, there have been some cases and I think this just has to this is not an FF7 specific problem. I think it's more of a that era of polygonal games problem. But um, there are times with those pre-rendered backgrounds where it is really fucking hard to know where you're supposed to go or what you can right. or cannot climb. Mm-hmm. Well, the good thing about Final Fantasy VII is, at least in the PlayStation 1 version, you press select, and they knew that that was a problem when they were making these backgrounds. So yeah. they would have the the, the, the hand pointer. The little red you. arrows. Yeah, where you were and the yeah. arrows of where you could exit at. Right. Can I, can I say that I love the super deformed polygonal characters? I love the way they look outside <laughs> of battle. I'm sorry, like, I love them. And then, like, they went back to it kind of in Final Fantasy IX, and it just kind of made me nauseous. I just mm. love the way it looks in Final Fantasy VII. It, it looks so goofy and just so blocky, and I love it. Yeah, it's like it's like Virtua Fighter. Yeah. So just in case, just so for everyone listening, I know we probably didn't cover your favorite topic. So if you want us to do another episode on it, please, please comment on Twitter or Instagram or email us. And let us know what you want us to talk about. We cannot possibly talk about everything for this game. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. It's it's a it's it's and we know it's a very very important game to a lot of people. And there's something in this game that you would probably love us for us to talk about. And if there is, you know, just let us know. We can do this again, and we can go over those specific topics like a mailbag ish uh, mailbag episode or something like that for Final Fantasy VII. Because I know I probably forgot a lot of things that I loved about the game, or I didn't love about the game. I'm sure that all of us have. Yeah. I'm totally fine with doing an entire episode just on the Chocobo. <laughs> just throwing that out there. Okay. No, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love the Chocobo. I love Chocobo, but fuck Chocobo Racing. <laughs> fuck that noise. Shut your whore mouth. And speaking of the Chocobo Racing, we are very, very sorry we didn't go in depth with uh, the Gold Saucer because that's an entire thing uh, in and of itself. That, that, that's, a no, that's an episode just by itself because it is such a – it's so crazy because I think of all the places you go, it's probably the most complex place. 
I can see that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so real quick, um, we'll go around with the four of us and especially with the remake coming out, this is perhaps particularly pertinent, but, um, do you think someone coming to final fantasy seven today, whether they had played it before or they're brand new, do you think that this is worth their time? Is this something that holds up today? Uh, why don't we start with Brianna? That's a hard question. Can we come back to me? (laughs) I gotta think. I gotta think, like, because I'm coming with it with so much nostalgia and everything. I think. Well, that's why I said whether you played it already before or not, it doesn't matter. So I think, like, if you've played it before, yes, it holds up because you'll have all those awesome memories and everything like that. But I think, especially hearing, like, you know, Shane, from your perspective and everything like that, because you weren't in there. It's, I mean, like, the things that I thought were incredibly emotionally moving, like, and the whole thing with Aerith at the end of disc one, uh, the first time around, looking at it the second time around, I was like, oof, that is some flat images, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like so your just, character development. Oh, oh, that hurts. You cut deep. So does um, that <laughs> Oh, God. And I'm done. And I'm done. Somebody else. <laughs> All right. So, so to sum to sum up, sounds like if you if you had played it before, it's probably still cool to go back to, but it might be rough to get into if you're just starting. Yeah, I think so. Okay, Tiger. What, what about, about you? Uh, Tiger? We're talking about the original, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Listen, like, and and this is kind of parallel with what uh, Bree said. Like, I came from 4 and 6, and then I was in the middle of the transition from the 16-bit, you know, 2D RPG to beautiful polygonal 3D (laughs) PS1 graphics. Like, that was such a huge ordeal for me, and it made a huge impact, not just on me, but, you know, tons of of gamers out there in the world. So, um, So someone that has never played the game before... To play this game, there has to be some sort of attachment to JRPGs in general, or at least like turn-based, turn-based style fighting. Um, in my opinion, to at least get some sort of uh, appreciation out of it. Um, but I must also mention that I have not ever played any Final Fantasy after nine, so kill me, and I'm old and. <laughs> I'm oh, you, not, you need I'm to play so 10. out of touch. <laughs> so you need to play ten. All right. So, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo a lot of what they said. Uh, it, this is my fourth favorite Final Fantasy out of all the Final Fantasies. So it's not like I I, I hate this game. I just recognize it has flaws, and I think the the fandom for it is a little overbearing, especially coming into it as a uh, fan of Final Fantasy and RPGs already. It was a little overwhelming to see all these people come in that being said i have to ask what's your rank huh what's your rank like first second third before uh, it oh uh just very quickly uh first is final fantasy 4 second's final fantasy 10 third is final fantasy 6 and that's a close third and fourth between 6 and 7 okay i, I think uh, they they said it perfectly you know it depends on how well you can digest a mid-90s playstation game those that generation as a whole really hasn't aged well and that was really during a time that translations were poor. So 
it, is it a good game if you like Final Fantasy games? Sure, but you have to be able to stomach the fact and accept the fact you are playing a very old game, and there are mm-hmm. and, and it's and it is dated. So if you didn't grow up during that time, if you don't have appreciation for it, it's going to be very hard for you to go back and appreciate it. Well, it sounds like we are in an accord here because I um I pretty much feel the same way. Um, that's just from my personal experience. Also, is that I would not actually recommend this game to anyone <laughs> that didn't like already play it before or has some sort of affinity for either the Final Fantasy series as a whole or that particular era of of RPGs because as you know the rest of you have said it's really rough to go back to if it's your first time ever you know getting into that game and it's not it's not an FF7 specific problem. I will put that out there. I'm not trying to shit on this game in particular. Yeah. It is it is an issue that is endemic to that generation yeah. of consoles. I mean, I would I wouldn't necessarily recommend people go back and play most Nintendo 64 games because they look like garbage. Same. For the most part, mm-hmm. it's a it's a whole lot of muddy textures and shit like I'll go back and play them like I bring this up on a number of occasions, but like I can still go back and play Gauntlet Legends, but I wouldn't tell anybody to play that fucking game because you can't <laughs> see shit. You don't know what's going on for like half the time, except you do because you've already played it before. <laughs> right, exactly, because I, I know what's going on and I have nostalgia for the game because it was something that my brother and I played together mm-hmm. quite a bit, but. Would someone going into it now? No, they'd probably look at it and be like, this looks like dog shit. And, <laughs> colors moving on the screen. You know, go play something yeah, else. flaming dog shit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think with all of that said, as Chris had mentioned, we could talk for much, much longer about this game because there is a lot of content in there. And we certainly have not touched on everything. But in the interest of time, um, we're going to wrap things up here. So um, first of all, I would like to thank uh, both of our uh, esteemed guests, Brianna and, and of course, LP Tiger. Always, always great to have you both on the Thank show. You guys. This has been fun. I had a great time. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And with all that said, until next time, play with your weaponized joysticks. Mm-hmm.